1: You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on
0: all things Broncos.
2: Hello there, Broncos Country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dummler. And with me, as always, I have my good friend and co-host,
3: Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, at least one of our teams is in the playoffs this, this weekend. Yeah, watching it right now. And now I looked up from the TV because we're trying to get this recording going. And it's commercial, so they didn't take an advantage of it. But the uh, St. Louis Cardinals are playing the Atlanta Braves. So going to enjoy that. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully their card's can advance to the next round. I know that Broncos reporter... Andrew Mason is a giant Braves fan, so maybe I need to pester at him. But I'm more of those, you know, talk trash in hindsight kind of guys, (laughs) you know, where I'm like, it's safe to do it. I'm not really much of a troll, but once I know that I'm safe and it's not going to get turned back on me, then I will talk trash. So definitely not as fun. But, uh, you know, what can you do? I also don't want to jinx him.
2: Right, right. That's true. It always seems to blow up in my face, kind of like the Pax and Lynch thing. We were just talking about him. Uh, before we got on this show so uh, i'm just thinking about how much i was bragging if he's going to be the next great thing for the broncos and wow i was so wrong on that one but uh so yeah i'm kind of keeping my mouth shut on some of those a little bit more and yeah. uh definitely definitely still owe you guys some some beer so maybe if you're driving back from colorado at some point yeah. or on your way to colorado you could stop by
3: heck yeah have that's, a beer. Uh, we'll see which way we're going but that would be that would be fun. Or if you're ever going to come out to an Iowa game.
2: I know. I know. I need to get out there, man.
3: Got to do it. Yeah. One of these um, good games soon. Yep. Or a Bronco game. Maybe we can meet up with some of the listeners then. Boom. I like that idea too. That'd probably be a good
2: one. Well, if you want to know if we're ever going to be at a Bronco game and that we'd love to meet up with you, you better be keeping tabs on a, on, on Twitter, of course. Because that's where we would post that uh, we're going to be there. So you can find me at Carl Dummler MHH and, of course, Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. And you can find the podcast Twitter account at BTB Football Pod. And make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input on the show. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. Also, make sure you head on over to MileHighHuddle.com, a new affiliate of the Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. This podcast is powered by Overtime
0: Media. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
1: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day seven days a week with Major League Baseball we're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well if you like baseball and you like being able to make some money subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify Stitcher TuneIn or wherever you get your podcasts
2: well Nick the the Broncos are are heading out west and going to play the the Cursed Chargers. I, I, <laughs> has it become just a... It's gotten so bad that it's just become a joke now
3: how injured the Chargers get every single year? It's unbelievable. I don't know if it's the water, if it's their training staff, if their players are living life, you know, going to the clubs all the time. It, I I have no clue, but it is insane. I mean, they must have built a stadium on like an Indian burial ground right like it it doesn't make any sense
2: it is it is just crazy every every week it seems like some new player gets added to the list I think they have what three healthy wide receivers for this game
3: yeah, I think so. It's going to be a team that, honestly, I wish that maybe they had more wide receivers. I know the Broncos' cornerback depth is bad, but right now the <laughs> the biggest issue is stopping the run. So they're probably going to do a lot of 12 and 21 and uh, run the football, which, as we saw last week, and especially with Bradley Chubb going down to, yikes. Not uh, not great. Right. It is very
2: true. But thankfully, they're, they're going against... Uh... A team that's kind of up and down this year in the Chargers. They are 2-2 two and two so far. Phillip Rivers kind of up and down a little bit. More up than down, but he's kind of holding this team together. The defense kind of up and down. It's kind of just been a roller coaster of what you've seen from this team. They got lucky, had the the Dolphins to get some things right last, last week, winning 30-10, to 10, and have lost against the Lions and the Texans if I remember right, and then beat the Colts in overtime in a game that they should not have won.
3: Yeah, that's... uh, Chargers are an enigma. A lot of talent on paper. I really do like their head coach in Anthony Lynn. But, man, when you are as injured as they are constantly, and then on top of it, the, the, the main Achilles heel that they have, I just don't... I don't know what they can do, right? Like, they had enough talent. If they could have stayed relatively healthy, maybe you can do something. But Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon being gone, Russell Okung, their best offensive lineman, or Derwin James, one of the best young players in football, Casey Hayward's hurt. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible just how injured this team is, and it's it's consistent as well. So, I almost feel bad for Phillip Rivers. <laughs> like, I know I brought this up on here before, but it's very much like... That end scene in Anchorman with Wes Mantooth looking down on Ron Burgundy over that bear pit. And he's saying, God damn it, Ron, with every fiber of my being, every atom of my existence, I hate you. I hate you. Pulls him in, gives him a kiss on the head. And it's like, but God damn it, do I respect you? <laughs> and Philip Rivers, you know, he's one of those guys that if he's on the other team, which obviously he is, you absolutely despise him. Right. Just super annoying. The antics, the fire, the passion. Shut up, Philip. You know, that kind of thing. You're cheering when Robert Ayers makes fun of him. But if he's on your team, that fire, that intensity that he brings, the leadership in that, you know, you you know he's going to do everything he can to get you that win. You love the guy. You love the guy. So I kind of look at it that way, a little bit more detached from the fan aspect. And uh, at this point in his career, you know, swan song, how many years does he have left? I'm just appreciate him for what he is. And I feel a little bit bad because they couldn't get over that hump over those during the LT years and then just injuries and maladies since then. So we kind of had a downwards there trending up again, but just just can't get over that hump. And honestly, I know the Chargers are a division rival, but because their fan base is so meek and meager, it doesn't feel like a rival, does it? No, I, I I'm Not like the Chiefs I, and Raiders.
2: Right. There, there's other teams I would put as bigger rivals than the Chargers, like the the Patriots. I, I detest the Patriots a lot more than I do the Chargers. Just because, especially during the Manning years, of course, you had Manning versus Brady. Both teams were pretty much the, the two teams that were competing for Super Bowls. So it was either the Broncos or or the Patriots going to the Super Bowl almost every single year during that stretch. I guess the Ravens had their one year. <sighs> Whatever. But uh, beyond Me, that... Flacco had his one year. Right, there you go. But uh, beyond that, again, it's just that formed a great rivalry because usually you're playing them twice a year anyway, once in the regular season, once in the playoffs. And uh, so, yeah, definitely for me, I the chargers have just not really been much of anything other than that. There was during the Cutler versus rivers years, that was probably the strongest time that I really detested the the chargers. Just again, I think we've said it on the show before Philip rivers, yelling across the sideline, just smack talk in the Broncos when they were beating them one time, uh, just angered me to no end. But beyond that time, it's just kind of been like the, uh, the lovable losers. Like, like I said, they, they always look good on paper, but they always find a way to, to mess it up either injuries or just things not going their way. Uh, when they were really good with the LT years, all of a sudden healthy gets hurt in the playoffs and they lose their best player. Uh, just, Random weird things that the drop fumble. If I remember right, against the Patriots, where they had them beat, they they picked up a fumble and then they fumbled it when they were returning it. Isn't that oh, right? Oh yeah. Yep. And so they they always find ways to lose games. Uh, the only other team that
3: loses games in a, a crazier fashion is the Chiefs. Yeah, that's true. I do feel like also for the this Chargers squad, historically, they have had good teams. But every time that they come up against the Patriots, they get absolutely blasted. So that's been the great equalizer, which is true for many of the AFC teams. I mean, that's true. Yeah, when you've only had three quarterbacks represent God, what was it like? Twelve of the last thirteen Super Bowls, thirteen of the last fourteen, in Big Ben, Peyton Manning with two different teams, and Tom Brady. The one lone year being Joe Flacco in twenty twelve. It's kind of there's not much breathing room for other people to step up and take that platform. Right.
2: So. Yeah, I think really the only two teams that have given the the Patriots troubles in the playoffs are the Ravens and the Broncos and, and the, Col- the Giants. I guess the Colts a little bit. Well, yeah, then the Giants in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. But uh but beyond that, yeah, it's not been a whole lot. So, uh but no, this this Chargers team coming in they're they're kind of like I said, they're just the team with so many injuries, so many new guys coming in. They're, they're just, you never know what you're getting every week from them. Yeah. Uh, just watching them, it was kind of interesting. Just there's times where they had explosive plays on offense, there's times on defense, they were really just looking very, very solid as a unit. And then other times that you could tell the miscommunications were there. I mean, anytime again, you're just substituting all these new players and it's hard to get the communication side of things down. And and so right now they are fifth in total yards, 14th in, in total points per or points per game, 22.5. Third in passing yards, seventh in quarterback ratings. So again, really, Phillip Rivers is having a pretty good year. It's just everything else around him seems to be falling apart. 18th in rushing yards per game. And, and I find it kind of funny. Do you remember week one? Their, their running back really went off, had a great game, and everybody's going, oh, well, uh, Melvin Gordon, we're not really missing him anymore. And and really, they've kind of fallen off the run game ever since week one.
3: Yeah. Granted, they've been doing a Patriots classic, running through the air. Right.
2: That, that is a good point. And I also want
3: to point out to the time-tested theory that nah, I'm maybe putting a little bit cre- too much credence into it. But the the individual running back does not matter as much as the offensive line and the scheme. And while I do love Anthony Lynn's scheme, how they help the running backs, that Chargers offensive line is absolutely <laughs> unfathomably horrible on paper. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I consider myself a pretty educated guy when it comes to who's available and who's playing on the offensive line. That, it's, I think it's fake people. I don't know if some of these people exist. So it's, it's a terrible line. And th- Philip Rivers is old, but thank God for them that he gets the ball out quickly. Doesn't always make the best decisions, but he gets the ball out quickly with his un- unorthodox release. Otherwise, he would be dead. And there right. would be a lot of children without their father.
2: <laughs> At least he's left him a pretty good uh, retirement plan, right?
3: Yes. They all get bolo ties. Yes. Every exactly. single one of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, and, and there are a lot of times you're seeing him this year have to throw off his back foot. And you are seeing some of that age and lack of velocity on his throws show
3: up. There's a couple of them. I saw him skip him to Mike Williams. Yeah. And that's something that I think tends to show out more as the season progresses started to see that right. last year a little bit with rivers definitely have seen it with eli manning i don't want to this might be a little bit blasphemous but i think you're starting to see see it as well with drew Brees. not yet with tom brady god damn it but <laughs> hopefully soon god someday god. come on man time uh, is undefeated i know i know He
2: he's made like the biggest deal with the devil ever I, I don't know what what he's done, but uh, sucking the youth out of his children. I guess one kiss at a time. <laughs> exactly, but uh, again, so like you said, rushing game because of that offensive line being a struggle, they are 18th in rushing yards per game, 14th in yards per carry, and and like I said, they they try to get more of their rushing game going through the through the passing game, short quick passes, trying to help that offensive line out as much as possible. And, and I mean, we're going to talk about it when we start breaking down the film and, and how to attack this team or how to defend this team. But it really is. They're, they're kind of like a lot of teams the Broncos have played so far. They're going to do quick passes to really eliminate guys like Von Miller and and try to help Philip Rivers as much as possible get into a rhythm and take their few shots here and there. But because they do have some good receivers and, and and again, we'll look at that here in a little bit more. But then switching to the defensive side. They are 12th in yards allowed, 9th in points allowed per game, 11th in passing yards allowed at 229 yards, 27th in passer rating allowed. So Joe Flacco, here you go, buddy. This is an opportunity for for some pretty good, um, maybe not yards, but they, they do give up the touchdowns and they don't get a lot of turnovers. So that, that's something to kind of keep in mind. And then the rushing game, they're
3: about middle of the pack, 14th in yards allowed, 15th in yards per carry solid offense statistically speaking the defense though not great which i think it comes down to the injuries as much as anything because the depth chart i mean it looks good when healthy but they're just they're missing so many guys and you know you don't have to tell me twice how incredible derwin james is and missing him that really that's really just a kick to the groin i do like the cornerbacks if hayward does go i think it was a do not participate this week yeah i love king The linebackers are younger, still. Well, the depth is younger. (laughs) Thomas Davis is not. I was going to say, you got one ancient, and then the rest are young. Well, we got your guy, and Drew Tranquil, who was killing it in preseason. I love Jatavis Brown when he came out, but it's just so injured. I don't love the interior defensive line as much. Jerry Tillard, he's yet to really make much of an impact. He's more of a. You're going to see more from him probably year two, year three, but they're. Without Derwin James, this defense definitely is neutered because he really allowed them to go to base or sub package and still be not super vulnerable because he is the ultimate Swiss army knife. Right.
2: Well, and and I was thinking, uh, you know, you and I, when we were doing our our predictions for the season, we were we decided the Broncos were going to go one on one against the Chargers, but we picked them in in L.A. to be the victory. Yeah. And big part because of injuries. Yeah. And so I hope that plays out. I mean, obviously hoping the Broncos can pull out a victory. They they need one after going all in four, and this would be a big one to go get one, but it, it's still, uh, yeah. You, you look at this, this roster. And, and like I said, it just with, without injuries, I think they're a, a top 10 team in the league with injuries oh, right April, now. Top five. I would say even. Yeah. With these injuries. It's hard because Philip Rivers covers up a lot of things. Yeah, he, he does definitely help. They they do have some some great weapons. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are, are pretty good weapons for him. And I mean, tight ends not great with Virgil Green being their starter right now. Melvin Gordon is a good all around running back, not great but still good. And of course, defensively they have some some very talented big names that you can look at, but. It just uh the, the Broncos are kind of catching them at a right time right now. Melvin Ingram's gonna miss this game. So so good there for, for the Broncos. I was trying to think of, of who are um Nasir Adderley might might miss the game, Hunter Henry might miss this game. Uh Justin Jackson might miss this game, Travis Benjamin's gonna probably miss the game, even Thomas Davis is hurt. So, again, you're catching them at the right time if you really want to see them make some mistakes, have some communication breakdowns, and maybe catch a few breaks in a game.
3: Yep. <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, this is probably the chance to get them, but the Broncos are pretty dinged up and not looking too great themselves. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. that That game, you know, they lost against the Lions, and it's like, oh, is this team actually, you know, this Charger team... Did we overrate them? But then what we saw... Then we saw what the the Lions did against the Chiefs. And that was without Darius Slay. So maybe the Lions are better than we thought. And obviously the transition... Uh, transitive property doesn't account for head-to-head matchups. You never know what's going to happen in a singular game. But... Yeah, and then the Chargers last week, you know, going to Miami is always tough. It's always hot there. I know they're not a great team, but, I mean, there's a reason even the Patriots continually continually go down to Miami and struggle. You know, there's a there's a real home field advantage factor there with the, the humidity and the distance to travel. And the Chargers, you know, struggle in the first half, but then come out and just, you know, smack them down in the second half. So... I don't know. I don't know how much to put up against these stats. Obviously, you look at stuff like DVOA. They're rated decently high, but a lot of that comes down to who you've played at this point. So those things will normalize with a, a bigger sample size. So overall, it's a good team. I really do, again, like I said, I really do like Lynn as a coach. They have good weapons on paper. If Melvin Gordon coming back with fresh legs is big. Keenan Allen is a guy that continually gives the Broncos a hard time. And Chris Harris Jr. with his play dropping a bit this season he was dropping a bit last season too so maybe continued dropped from that top five level cornerback that we're used to keenan allen's a guy that you got to watch for especially with michael Williams, hunter henry out but it's a team that it's it's weak in a lot of areas but i also worry about how their strengths match up against the broncos so we'll talk about that here next we should probably take a quick break though we'll be right back folks don't go anywhere
0: this is the overtime podcast network
3: (laughs)
1: Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson.
3: Alrighty, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast. I am Nick Kendall along with Carl Dummler. And Carl, it's time to do some scouting. You know, we kind of talked about the output of the Chargers, some of this stuff. But like we like to do on here in our Scouts Eye previews, we're going to put on our coaching caps and talk about the other team and their strengths and weaknesses and how you want to attack them. Last week, you were given the how the Broncos defense should attack the Jaguars offense and Probably number one should have been stop Leonard Fournette. But, uh, you know, hindsight or how about tackle? Uh, just, I was going to say just just, just, just tackle. tackle and you win that game. Send a memo
2: to so, Will Parks and Corey Nelson, please. So many of those plays. It wasn't just in the, the run game. It was the pass game. How many times do they have chances to, to get sacks that would have ended drives? And somehow Mr. Mustache escapes
3: and and finds a way to make a big play. I mean, that pocket maneuverability and awareness is real. We talked about it on here, but I was not expecting it to show itself like it did on that last touchdown.
2: It was, yeah, that was one of the more frustrating games to watch just because of, of the tackling and, and missed opportunities. Just the, the Broncos outplayed the Jaguars. Most of the game, they just got sloppy in that second half. Just things fell apart real quick. And, Nobody stepped up to make a play when they needed one, and so I, again, I mean, we—I I found it funny the, the Broncos really did pretty much what we said on the show that they should do, except for like execution. That—that that was the the one thing that they were missing, of course. But beyond that, they actually forced Mister Mustache to hold on to the football. They—they they took away those quick passes as much as they possibly could. And and forced him to have to try to throw over the middle, which he actually did pretty decent. And so, I mean, the, they did everything that we said that they would do. And they still they just found ways to make more plays than the Broncos. So, again, this week, I mean, you can have the greatest game plan in the world. But if your players don't execute kind of hard to, to win a game, you can only out execute another team so much. I mean, the the players have said it. Chris Harris has said it, I think, a few times of the the game plans are great the the problem is the players are not doing their job and so now looking i'm like i said I'm, I'm doing the offense this week versus the chargers defense and so i just want to start off looking at just the strengths of this this chargers defense and and then where to attack so the strengths you've already talked about desmond king one of the most underrated players in his draft In big part because he just didn't grade out as a great athlete. But as a football player, he grades off the charts. And then you have Casey Hayward also in that secondary. uh, Make one of the better one-two punches at, at cornerback in the
3: NFL right now. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree, especially when you have what they're supposed to have at safety over top of them. But... One thing I will say is that King is an elite slot defender because he's such a good tackler, so physical, great anticipator. I don't know if he'd be as good if you forced him continuously on the boundary. But given today's game, that slot defender is a starter. So if you're looking at it that way, then yes, I'm with you. But uh, you got to understand his or need to just discuss his. Where does he win? And that's the reason he fell. You know, oh, he's either a safety or a slot defender. Well, you know what? That matters in today's NFL. You have to find those guys. That's a big reason why with Chris Harris Jr., I didn't love the Bryce Callahan signing, but Bryce Callahan is a great slot defender when he's healthy. Those guys matter, and that's that's where King wins. And it's not just the, the coverage, the zone concepts, the ball skills. I mean, there's a reason he won the Jim Thorpe Award. He took the ball away at an extremely high rate. But the dude is physical. And that's that's huge,
2: right? Then the other spot that, of course, they're strong at is the outside linebacker spot or the r- pass rushers. Joey Ed Bosa, rusher. yeah, edge rusher. Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. Uh, although it really does sound like Ingram's not going to play this week, so that <sighs> the Broncos again catching a really nice break with one of their top players missing. It makes it a little easier where you can send help towards Joey Bosa, and uh, so will, I'll, I'll talk about that here a little bit more. But then you're looking at the weaknesses. And you're looking at safety. Like you said, it's Derwin James, not only one of the best young players in football, but just one of the best players in football. I mean, I, I think we can even eliminate the young part because he just played off the charts last year. He is the absolute chess piece of a defensive player, you can move him anywhere. I mean, he was he was in the pass rush spots. He was at linebacker, safety, cornerback. I mean, this guy was all over the field and played at a high level at pretty much every place that that he was put. And and so having that piece gone, it hurts. On top of that, then his backup, Adrian Phillips, lost him for the season. And and so you're you're looking at a third string a strong safety, if that's what you want to call him, taking his spot and. <laughs> So that's a huge weakness. The other safety spot, Adderley has not stepped up like they were hoping. And beyond that, he's hurt right now on top of that. So safety is really weak. Cornerback beyond Desmond King, Casey Hayward, they are giving up a staggering 131 quarterback rating when any other cornerback on the field is targeted. So I would hope for the Broncos that would have some – Some big red bells going off saying, attack here, attack here. And uh, so just just again, those are some of the weaknesses. You're looking at linebackers and coverage. It's helped with Thomas Davis, but there's still a struggle there. Uh, I think they're ranked, I think it's 27th against tight ends this year. So just just something to to keep in mind when you're looking at some matchups of, of who. I mean, we're not really big into... Talking fantasy football on here, but again, this might be another opportunity where Noah Fant had his nice touchdown last week. Maybe he builds on that, gets another touchdown. They're giving up about a touchdown a game to tight ends right now. And they're giving up, I think it's about 60 yards in passing. So again, This is a position the Broncos can target. They can go over the middle of the field, find some openings because those safeties are weak. The linebackers, depending on who's on the field, are kind of, you just got to, I think the Broncos, what they need to do is really look at the linebackers and say, okay, if Denzel Perryman's in there, we need to pass it. If, let's say, Thomas Davis is in there, we maybe need to run it. And Drew Tranquil, another guy that got a lot of playing time last week. Uh, He's more of a pass defender than a run defender. And so again, just kind of look at those matchups and, and maybe come up to the line of scrimmage with two plays and say, okay, if these are the linebackers that are on the field, we are absolutely just running it down their throats. If these other guys are on there, then hey, let's go to the pass. They can't keep up with our running backs. They can't keep up with our tight ends. And, and so I do think that those guys could get a lot of targets this week. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos did go a lot more, um, a lot more mixed up packages where you're, you're one drive with three wide receivers on the field where you're getting them into those nickel positions. Trying to get those the, those cornerbacks that are not very good on the field, and finding those matchups to take advantage of, and then other times going with those two tight ends and saying, "Okay, you want to stick your big boys in here? Now we're going to pass," and and kind of almost do the opposite of what you're you're bringing on the field. Three wide run, two tight end pass, and and see if you can kind of get some some nice matchups there. Uh, again, the the other thing to keep in mind here, they do have. Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, but they haven't had a great pass rush this year. This has been one of their their struggles a little bit. They got they got a nice one against the Dolphins, but who's not going to have a nice one against the Dolphins? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but if you look at their other games, there's been Before a Josh huge Risen. struggle. I know. I feel for that guy <laughs> going from the worst team
3: to hey, the worst team. The worser team. Yes. Oh, man. Very, very bad. But it's almost like you need to set up your young quarterbacks to succeed. What? I know. Hint, I know. hint, it
2: may be something we might talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But back to, the, to this matchup here. Uh, part of the reason they've had a struggle is just kind of a, a little bit similar to the Broncos. They have great rush linebackers, but because there's very little push up the middle, all quarterbacks have to do is step up in the park, the pocket and try to get those guys to rush on the outside. And right now they have no push up the middle. Nobody is is bringing much for them. Uh, Brandon Mebane is, I think, ranked as one of the worst uh, defensive linemen in football right now. Justin Jones hasn't been doing a whole lot. You already said it. Jerry Tillery kind of showing that he is a rookie. And, and so right now, there's just not much that's forcing quarterbacks to stay back there. So Joe Flacco just has to really trust his interior three to, to form a nice pocket. And they've done pretty good this year. I mean, that, that's been the one place on the offensive line that's been halfway consistent. And this will be one of their easier matchups of all of, of the entire season for those interior guys, I would say. And uh, so, again, attack the safeties, attack the linebackers. Attack the other cornerback not named Hayward or King. You just have to really pay attention to where they are on the field, who has what kind of coverage, and, and find those easy matchups. This is matchup football. This is uh, Bill Belichick saying, we're going to attack your weakness. We're going to make your weakness have to beat us. And right now for the Chargers, because of injuries, they have a lot of holes, especially on this defense, with so many guys missing.
3: Yeah. I agree with you, and I just want to bring it back to a simple little moniker. If football is a simple game. You make the small guys tackle and the big guys cover. And if you can do that, you're going to be able to move the ball. So it's all about those mismatches. So if you can get them in base, throw it on them. If you can get them in sub, run it on them. So, yeah, that good preview there. I Definitely, I, I know that... The pass rush hasn't been great this year, and Melvin Ingram is going to be out. I do like Uchana Nwosu from that kind of edge linebacker hybrid position. You know they kind of use that that kind of Seattle Seahawks almost defense where that strong that Sam linebackers also can be dropped down, play on the line of scrimmage, and be an edge rusher. But you know, they're just so injured, even on defense. I mean Justin Jones and Brandon Nebane are solid, but Jerry Tillery is not ready yet. Joey Vosa, though, he's a game wrecker, and if you give him just one chance. He can, you know, wreck the right. game. Hence oh, game easily. So. <laughs> right. And, and I was going to comment about Nuoso
2: getting in there. He is 15 pounds lighter than Ingram. And so if he's on the field, I mean, that that's probably where I'm attacking in the run game. I mean, I, I think he is a very good hybrid linebacker, one that can drop back in coverage, one that can get after the quarterback. But in the run game, definitely not the strength of, of what he brings to the field.
3: Yep. Yeah, he's, he's really good, really versatile, really powerful, so good with his hands and uh, tenacious motor. So there's a reason he went through overall. He's a great player when he's healthy. So for me now, I'm going to take the Broncos defense versus the Chargers offense. And folks, I'm not feeling great about the Broncos defense at this point. Where are the issues? What are the issues? Uh, you have Kareem Jackson with a hamstring injury and hamstring injury ingi- hamstring injuries. If you guys follow fantasy football, in any sense, you know that for defensive backs and wide receivers and those skill position players, those can tend to be issues. So I'm going to be very doubtful that we see Kareem Jackson this week. If we do, and considering Vic Fangio said it was a a real, truly questionable injury last last week, I'm guessing we're not going to see him. If we do see him, it's going to be a limited version of Kareem Jackson, which means more Will Parks, who you're fine with as that kind of dimebacker, third safety, but as we saw last week, especially in this defense, yeah, not not the best. And then on top of that, Josie Jules injured. P- please, you know, p- Jesus Mary Joseph Joseph jo- Joseph Jones, not Josie Jones. Joseph Jones, your boy from preseason, be healthy, go out there, make some plays. Because I don't know if I can stomach another week of Corey David or. Corey Nelson out there trying to tackle and he just looked totally overmatched, both from a a mental assignment responsibility as well as a physical aspect. And then watching Shelby Harris miscast at nose tackle, so just a, a lot of issues there. But for me, the main thing, first off, you have to play disciplined. Rivers is so good in the quick pass game. It's again another thing that the Patriots have kind of adopted in this league. It's running it through the air. Who needs a real run game when you can constantly throw three five-yard passes and be super efficient? I mean, that's, that's essentially a substitute for the, pass, for the run game, except you have more explosive opportunity with the pass game involved. So got to be really disciplined there. Keep everything in front of you and rally to the tackler. You got to actually tackle those guys in open space. And that comes down to, for the most part, Melvin Gordon's a solid receiver, but the two guys in the short pass game that I have circled, highlighted, concerned about, et cetera, et cetera. It's got to be Keenan Allen who can win from the outside, but man, where he's incredible is the slot position. And then as well as Austin Eckler, the former, what school did he go to? Is it Northern Colorado? I believe it was a very small school. It I was think. Western State, Colorado. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, man. And his picture on the Chargers website is him stiff arming Josie Jewell. That's not great. Come on. I know. Josie Jewell is a really exasperated look. Uh, but anyway, Austin Eckler, really talented guy. They also have J.J. Watt's brother, Derek Watt at fullback. But I'm really looking for Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Those are the two guys I am most concerned about. And as I talked about this Patriots or this. Wow, I'm messing up there. This Chargers offensive line is an absolute monstrosity. You know, Trent Scott playing left tackle, not great. They tried Trey Pipkins the small school. First or second year or first or second year player did not work out. Dan Feeney has struggled there. Mike Pouncey at center, okay, but struggled. Everyone's favorite, Michael Schofield at guard. You know, he's better at guard than right tackle, but still not a great player. Your boy Forrest Lamp is a backup there. I'm not sure what the heck happened there and then Sam Tevy at right tackle. So, folks, this is an absolute trash heap of an offensive line. So what does that mean? Phillip Irving is going to get the ball out quick, and that means stopping Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. They're still going to get theirs, but damn, you need to tackle better than you did last week. And also, I think they're going to make the Broncos' defense prove that they can stop the run, not a great offensive line for the chargers, but hey folks, not a great run stopping unit for the Broncos you're running a two ninety pound nose tackle out there, and you just lost your one of your best run stuffing edge players, and you lost your probably your best box tackler so far this season. Todd Davis will come along, but he's still I don't think he's quite there yet, so And you lost Kareem Jackson. who brings kind of a physical aspect from the safety as well. So really got to watch for that. Got to play better in the run game. And it comes down to tackling. I mean, gosh, got to watch out for them. So again, Philip Rivers, he's a guy who gets the ball quick, but he's also one who will make a boneheaded decision. Really anticipatory thrower, but sometimes he anticipates to the point where the guy he's anticipating to be there is not there. Kind of start with Joe Flacco last week with his interception based on his response, but I think we're going to have a chance to get a not only a potential strip sack this week but an interception so that'll be big. They really need to get that monkey off their back. They got the sack monkey off their back last week. Not a monkey sack, excuse me folks, a sack monkey off their back. And they they need to get the turnover one off their back now. But again, I just have some major appreh- apprehensions about this defense Chargers being at home. You know, that's not really a big home field advantage, but you don't have that that Denver mile high advantage as well, which hasn't <laughs> Proven out so far this season, but it's a thing. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Do you have any concerns about this this team? I'd say their strength, obviously. Phillip Rivers, he's the heart and soul of this team. He's what makes it tick. Once he goes, this team will probably plummet a bit unless they somehow all of a sudden get healthy, which would be kind of sad <laughs> for Rivers, but, you know, who knows. And then Melvin Gordon with Fresh Legs has me, has me worried as well. But the weaknesses, this offensive line is an absolute trash heap. And even though the Broncos have struggled up in the front seven, they they should be able to win their matchups with this offensive line.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would be a lot more nervous about playing them if they had like Hunter Henry because yeah. I think he's a matchup nightmare. That uh, and Travis Benjamin's another one that I think is a another tough matchup for the Broncos just because of that speed that he brings, and of course the help on special teams. Yeah, and and so I, I that's something else I wanted to talk about just real quick because we never talk about this unit special teams very often. Mm-hmm. But really where injuries not only show up on the field on offense, defense, but it's special teams because you got other guys having to step in that weren't asked to before. And so you can have some some guys with lane discipline issues. And and so I could see the Broncos having a very good special teams game this week.
3: Well, that would be amazing. (laughs) That's something I I don't know. We'll see. The Chargers, I believe their kicker is injured as well, so we will Bagley is injured, so that kind of throws them up. However, we didn't see the best from uh, Waldman last week. Brandon McManus wasn't really asked to do too much, so we'll see. The thing that makes me concerned is that, as we've seen in preseason and so far this season, the Broncos' depth is very bad. There's no other way to put it. Their depth is bad, and that has a key impact on special teams. So it would be nice if the Broncos could win this special teams game. You're talking about it as far as injuries go. But even then, looking at this Chargers team, specifically at linebacker, I do like their special teams bodies. You know, Drew Tranquil can run around fly around. Amike Egbule can fly around. Jatavis Brown, Kaiser White can fly around. Eugene Nwosu can fly around. Right. So they have depth at some of those key special teams spots, which are kind of those linebacker safety types. Right. But uh,
2: no, personally against, I mean, like I said, with some injuries, it will be interesting to see how much uh, Melvin Gordon gets to play this week. Just, I mean, he hasn't taken a snap all season. So does that mean that he is ready to go, that he's in football shape? I doubt it. So you might see only that 10 to 15 carry now. Given they do have some very good, I mean Eckler's been a very good running back for them. So I'm not trying to take away they they still have somebody else that can come in and do plenty for the the run slash pass game from the running back position. But uh, no, I mean it's it's a decent offense even with the injuries. It's not a great offense, and so this is a, this is a game I think our defense can. Contain for the most part. I don't think they have to expect the offense is going to go out there and score 30 points to win the game. You know, it, it could be another low-scoring game. We'll give our predictions here in just a, a little bit. But uh, but for the most part, again, like I said, just because of injuries, some of the matchups work out in, in the Broncos' favor, at least. Now, like I said, missing Br- Bradley Chubb, maybe your first, second-best player on the team. I mean, you got Von Miller, of course, and then probably Bradley Chubbs, the very next player. And so that's going to obviously hurt the Broncos defense in so many different ways. But uh, beyond that, I do think that there's some some pretty good
3: matchups for this defense. Yep. Nope, you are correct there. So I think we should take another break and then we should do the score predictions. And then kind of that last segment we wanted to save. So, folks, we will be right back. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: All righty, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast. I am Nick Kendall along with Carl Dummler. Carl, the game predictions section now. The Chargers are 6.5 favorites, which means on a neutral site, they would be about a 3.5-point favorite and only about a .5 favorite to a, a push either way if they came to Denver. The over-under is a pretty incredibly low 44. i I've I guess given the Broncos' offense, that's not super unexpected, but that's that's a very low number. So any thoughts there? Well,
2: I think it's a little bit of the Chargers have struggled to score too. Yeah. I mean, they've gotten a lot of yards. They're kind of like the Broncos. They get a lot of yards, but they haven't really been able to put it in the end zone as much as they have in the past. Yeah. And, I mean, when everything gets crunched down, especially around the, the red zone, and your offensive line is struggling and your quarterback's got to hurry things up a little bit more, it just... I can see why the Chargers are struggling a little bit. And uh, so, I mean, they've earned their 6.5-point favorite, but I I would take the over in this game just because I think the Broncos' offense is starting to get things under control, and both defenses are are banged up. And so I think both offenses will be able to score some points in this game.
3: Maybe we'll see a defensive score. Gosh. now Phillip Rivers can be a little bit crazy sometimes with that ball. That would be... (laughs) That would be incredible. Right. Well, so can Joe Flacco.
2: Yeah, maybe. He seems seems to have like that one or two bad throws a game that you're just like, what are you doing?
3: Yeah, his I think I got his explanation for that bad throw. But he's had a couple where like the ball has looked like it's coming off his hand weird. And obviously this West Coast offense, it's so much about anticipation and timing that you have to throw it sometimes before the guy is even in your field of sight that's why chemistry and having cohesion with your wide receivers is so important to run this passing offense but he he said that he saw emmanuel sanders he threw it to where emmanuel sanders he thought emmanuel sanders was going to be and then the last second when he was throwing it he saw what he thought was emmanuel sanders somewhere else and not where he thought it was going to be and he tried to correct the throw and it led to one of the ugliest throws we've seen this year so there you go and also for joe flacco he's ho- he's missing some guys out there that's a big thing that not shocking, considering what we've seen from him and his career. But it's kind of like, again, it's another chicken or the egg thing. Is he holding onto the ball too long? Or is he, and a lot of these sacks, especially that Packers game, came in the second, the last or second to last drive when they were behind. They had to do something. Some of those sacks, you know, it's either you have to try to make something happen. And when you're doing that, you're going to hold onto the ball more. So, right. Yeah,
2: there, there, there's a story to every sack. Yeah, that's true.
3: So, all right, Carl, we'll keep it going here. The Broncos win if?
2: I think the Broncos win if they can establish a consistent run game. Mm-hmm. Last week, I mean, we, we talked about it on our, our show last, our last show, of uh, just they really struggled to consistently stay with the run game. And I, I think they felt like they had a really good plan in the pass game, and that's understandable, but this is a team that's built around the run. And I think they need to get back to the roots because this is not a great run defense here in in L.A. This is not this is a team, again, that's banged up. They're going to have some smaller players on the field. And I think you just need to get back to what made this team think that they could be something. And not put so much on Joe Flacco and, and especially on those tackles. So I think if they can establish a run game, get back to maybe rushing for 100. If they
3: rush for more than 125 yards, uh, Broncos win. What's your choice? For me, I think the, the Broncos win if they keep the Chargers running backs to one under 125 total yards, all purpose yards. So that means keeping Eckler and Gordon in check in the run and pass game. If they can keep them under 125, I think that's enough to get it done. But, man, I'm not, I'm not sure if they have the cornerback depth or the linebacker talent to get it done there. So we'll see. The Broncos lose. if I'll say the Broncos lose if they the, – the easy one is, you know, obviously the turnover battle. Going to be a little bit more clever here. I'll say the Broncos lose if they lose the time of possession battle. They've been doing a good job pretty, pretty well overall on offense, controlling the ball. Need to do a better job scoring points, but time of possession has not been an issue there. But that third quarter drive by the Jacksonville Jaguars, people point to the Flacco interception being the big loser. Folks, the Jags had a 10-minute drive, and after that, the defense was gassed. Offense was out of sync. You can't have that. So I'm going to come down to Broncos lose if they lose the time of possession battle.
2: Good choice. I'm going go to go to the defense here and say if the Broncos cannot get four sacks in this game, they'll lose. Wow. Four? Four. <laughs> Without Chubb? I know. I know. That, that's asking a lot. Without Chubb, Ooh. yes. Just because I think you got to get Phillip Rivers rattled. And I, I think they're going to have to really get into his grill. And it, I guess, OK, how about this? It, just because that's a pretty
3: four total between sacks and turnovers. OK, I can I can get behind that. You, you, you can survive. You can stay. You're not voted off the island. Okay, <laughs> the MVP of the Broncos win. <laughs> I'm going to go with Philip Lindsay. I think he hasn't had a he was starting to kind of feel himself in that Green Bay game. Not as big of an outcome in that Jacksonville game, but the Jacksonville, you know, they got a run around quick front seven. So I'm going to go with Philip Lindsay. I think they maybe didn't use him enough last week. In hindsight, they probably regret that going on the road. You know, don't have that home field advantage. I think they're going to ride Lindsay a little bit more in this game. And I think he's going to finally have a a big explosive run for a touchdown. So I'm going to go with MVP if they win Philip Lindsay.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to go Garrett Bowles. Wow. Because... Joey Bosa usually rushes from the offensive left. That's Garrett Bowles. Now I don't know what they're going to do exactly with Ingram injured. If maybe they're going to move him around a little bit more, but I do think most of his matchups are going to be there. And if Bowles can win or at least contain, then good chance the Broncos can win this game because the offense should be able to to be able to get things going.
3: Yeah, I've that's a good one. I think it uh, makes me a little nervous about Bowles. But, you know, he's played better the last two weeks. I'm going to be apprehensive, though, until he puts together much better. Because I've definitely been a guy that says, Hey, patience, patience, patience. But then, fed by some insider information, I just, you know, fool me once, shame on shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, we'll see on Bowles. The GOAT, if the Broncos lose... I am going to go with Man, I'm going to go with Shelby Harris. He played better in that Green Bay game, but he got really just really struggled in that Jacksonville game, and I think if the Broncos are losing continually at the point of attack, not able to win on the inside of that defensive line, even against the the Chargers atrocious offensive line, the one guy that they have on there right now that's worth anything is the Pouncy brother. So that's that's the big matchup for me. It's Pouncy versus Shelby Harris. And Shelby's got to win this week. Otherwise, I think I got to go with him as the GOAT if they lose. Because he's, I mean, he struggled. He's miscast is not totally his fault, but still, you know, you got to do the job in front of you and he's not getting it done.
2: Well, I'm going to go the guy behind him in Todd Davis. He has not done as well as he's done in the past, especially against the run in these first few games. And some of that is the defensive line, but I think some of it is Todd Davis just kind of getting his feet back under him. He's still not quite 100%. This is a game they need him to be 100%. They, they need this guy to step up, be that that voice in, in the, the huddle, be that guy that's making a play, making a, a tackle for loss in the run game that just gets the defense fired up. Just something because again, with Josie Jewell, We don't know if he's going to go or not. Then behind behind him, it sounds like Joseph Jones is going to be able to go, possibly. I, I think he'll be able to go this week. But then Corey Nelson, of course, like you said, please don't have him touch the field except for special teams. And so Todd Davis, they really need him to go out there and just absolutely own
3: this game. And if he can't do that, then I can't see them winning. All right, the Unsung Hero. For me, I'm going to go with, man, Unsung Hero. Love to do these on the spot. I'm going to go with Elijah Wilkinson. I know that they're probably going to slide coverage over to stop Bosa because obviously if Ingram's out. So Wilkinson, if they end up winning this game, I think it's because he had a solid game. I know he's limited there as far as an athlete, but going up and nuosu he's got to consistently win his matchup in order to help this team win. And if he can do that, the Broncos can do much more with coverage and actually start to open up this vertical passing game. So I'm going to go with Elijah Wilkinson.
2: Well, I'm going to go with the guy that maybe had one of the worst games on the team this last week. I think he comes up with a couple plays in this one. Justin Hollins. I think they're going to get him a little bit more into his more natural position of being a rush linebacker and getting him a chance to get after the quarterback. And and I think he can really use that as an opportunity to shine and show this guy there's a reason they drafted him because he is an incredible athlete on the field.
3: Yeah, he really did struggle. I'm hoping maybe we'll get a chance to see him more in a a rush spot this week. But we'll see. So, Carl, final score prediction. You go first.
2: All right. I'm going to have the Broncos scoring 24 points. Again, back-to-back 20s? Yes. Oh, man. The ghost of Peyton I, Manning in charge. <laughs> I'm I'm running with it, man. They they The floodgates are open now. Next thing you know, next week I'm going to be predicting 30. Oh, I'm man. just kidding. Probably not. But uh, 24-20, Broncos win. I, I still – I'm going to hold to what I thought in the preseason, that with the, the Chargers banged up, this is a huge opportunity for the Broncos to come in, get a game, and I, I think – Again, they're just a team that's always right up there on the edge. They're just a couple of mistakes away from from getting some of these victories. I mean, you think
3: about it. They, they've had the lead
2: going into the final two minutes in two of the four games.
3: Yeah, but and, didn't you still have that like sinking feeling that after they scored that touchdown, it's like, God, they left too much time on the clock?
2: Oh, I did, yes. God, I, I,
3: how <laughs> far is the defense gone? Yes.
2: I mean, it's not the 2015 team where I'm like, oh, yeah, defense will, He's they got this. We got the lead. Oh, no big deal. It's not quite that, of course, but I, I just I feel like the Broncos are they, they've got enough pieces to do some things. And of course, L.A., it's not a great home field advantage right now without their new stadium with uh, really their fans are not all that dedicated. <laughs> you mean I fan? Fan, yes, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There are dozens of us. Dozens. uh, Oh, God, what a great quote. Yes, yeah. But uh, no, beyond that, I still think this is a game. Broncos get some things back on track. Maybe get that first turnover. Uh, Maybe a big special teams play. I just, I feel like there's something that's about ready to break for the Broncos. Maybe it's just the the eternal optimist in me. But uh, 24-20 Broncos.
3: What do you got? Well, for me, I'm going to... Say the Broncos cover the spread, but they end up losing this game. And I got the Broncos losing a close one. I think they're going to score a decent amount of points. They're going to put up 20, but they end up losing 23-20 to as they fall to 0-5 on the year and sink further into the pit of misery in 2019. But that doesn't have to be forever, folks. I put out a piece today, and so I guess I'm going to lead it off for you. You would agree right now. Let's just count it out. Who are the young, promising building block pieces on offense for the Broncos?
2: Well, I think Noah Fant. I mean, he's that first round pick, got his first touchdown. Obviously, big athlete, Dalton Reisner. I mean, Fangio been, said
3: as much this week. He called right. both of them building block cornerstone pieces. Right. So, Portland Sutton. <laughs> okay, I'm in I'm I mean, total agreement so far. Yep, I mean, uh,
2: again, just he's showing that he could possibly be a not a top tier number one, but at least a number one wide receiver. Philip Lindsey. I mean, I, I guess how how young are we ca- counting for core players? I uh, guess this would be this is his second year, so he, he's still in that that category. Yeah,
3: I would agree. I would say you for sure Dalton Reisner Noah Fant Cortland Sutton and Philip Lindsay and Roy Streetman. Would yep. you agree with me so far? Those guys, I mean, obviously you don't, you don't love to have running backs as core pieces in a perfect world, but it is what it is, especially having to, <laughs> right. um, I would say that potentially you could say Bowles, you could say McGovern, you could say, honestly, actually, uh, Juwan James is younger <laughs> than Bowles. So you got to include him. And then maybe Hamilton and Winfrey. Right? So that's that's a bunch of young, promising players. We have five established, I would say established young players, core players, and then five potential young players. Oh actually, six Drew Locke. Okay, so now on defense. What would you say the Broncos young core cornerstone players are? Bradley Chubb okay
2: Justin Simmons maybe
3: okay this pause I'm going to leave it in there typically I'll take out pauses in this folks but uh, yeah there's, there's <laughs> a reason for that's this really pause. all I got yeah I would put a that, question mark by Gatsas and Jewel and Yadam and Bosby and <laughs> Reed and Hollins. <laughs> so really, the offense is in much better shape with much higher potential, I'd say, going forward than the defense right now. Agree? Yeah. Oh, easily.
2: OK. There, there's a lot more you're going to have to rebuild on the defense. I mean, we talked about it on the show of how many of them possibly are hitting free agency after this season. Yeah. And so, I mean, you could be losing over half your defense just this season alone. And so then on offense, you got all these guys that we listed uh, other than McGovern and that's it. All the rest of them are still under contract beyond this season. Yeah. So it just it is a nice core that, you know, you have the next two, three years to
3: really build together. Yes, I agree with you. So I guess it comes down to the question. So the Broncos, the the point of my article was, and obviously Facebook comments are dark and full of terror. Folks don't go down the rabbit hole. But I can't help myself because when people talk crap from reading a headline and then don't engage to the discussion, then I want to put it on here because I know my listeners, if you've gotten to this point, you're a diehard. So you'll ride along with me here. So I guess the point is, obviously, you want to take the best player available. But what is the Broncos' quickest path to relevance? Back to relevance. Obviously, this is a team not competing for the playoffs right now not competing for 500 right now, let's be completely honest, and hopefully trending in the right direction, right? Like 20, yeah. tw- 2020, hopefully above 500, 2021, trying to go for a wild card. That's probably the timeline I would say right now. Right. As where they're so, po- hopefully going. What's the quickest right. way back to relevance?
2: Oh, easily building around the offense, building around Drew Locke. Usually most teams are not strong on both sides of the ball. and And if they are, it's maybe a one-year window, unless you're the Patriots, who somehow continue to find ways to be good on both sides of the ball at all times. But beyond that, usually you're trying to be a team that's building around one side of the ball and trying to make the other side average, I guess you would say. And at that point, you can become a pretty strong team in the NFL. You can win a lot of games that way. And you can compete for the playoffs, compete for Super Bowls, even. I mean, you you look at the, the Chiefs right now. Yes, I mean, they have the MVP quarterback, but they've built around him big time. And they have enough on defense to to keep themselves in every game, to, to win most games. And, I mean, we'll see how they do when they get to the playoffs and they get against some more well-rounded teams. But beyond that, they, they've made a commitment that we are going to build around Patrick Mahomes. And we're going to not only – we're going to make his job easier – that's something to, to kind of keep in mind. You think about Jared Goff. The the Rams have done a great job of building around him and, and making his job easier. I mean, you got weapons and Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks. I mean, they, they've invested quite a bit in their tight end position in the draft. They've invested in the offensive line, bringing in Andrew Whitworth. And signing him to a big contract. So they've tried to make his job as easy as possible. You know, Houston, what did they just give up for a left tackle to protect their quarterback? And another passing weapon. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, So, again, you're looking at a lot of these young quarterbacks in the league, and one of the best things teams can do is build around them. And Instead of saying, I mean, this is kind of that, there's those very rare quarterbacks that you don't
3: have to have great pieces around them for them to still to be successful. But the thing is, I don't even know if that's true, because I mean, like everybody, like Peyton Manning, first overall pick, franchise quarterback, right? What did the mm-hmm. Colts do for Manning?
2: Well, they wouldn't got him two all pro level wide receivers. I think Marvin Harrison might have already been there. I think you're right. Maybe I think the but year they, before they got a they had a run game and uh, Edron James,
3: right? Yeah, they have that. They had Edron James. They got Dallas Clark. They built together a great offensive line. And then they got complementary pieces on defense, pass rush, defensive backs. I mean, even right. even the Patriots, those developmental years for Tom Brady. Offensive line, continually great. Good defense. Didn't ask him to do too much. And they let Strong him run go. game. Strong run game. You know, not, not super dynamic offense, but they really complimented him and let him go. And the, the the absolute, my favorite example right now, you want to talk about Wentz and that that Eagles offense and how they've built around him. Obviously, the example with Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay and then establishing the offensive line, getting more diverse weapons, bringing in Robert Woods, uh, really running the offense through Gurley as well. Offensive line, Brandon Cook, super underrated. But the one that I love is Dak Prescott. You know, you get Dak Prescott in the fourth round. You see in preseason like, hey, this guy has some stuff going on here. You already have the offensive line in place. You have Tyron Smith. I believe they, yes, the year, they already had Zach Martin. They have Travis Frederick. The offensive line is in place. In the same draft, you ended up getting Ezekiel Elliott. So you're really starting to build this offense around him. And you know what, folks? Quarterbacks are going to have highs and lows. Peyton Manning's first season, he, he set the rookie record for passing interceptions. But I think it's important to have the pieces around them where you're, you're giving them that room to make a mistake, but they can still lean on their talent around them. And I think the Cowboys with Dak Prescott is a great example because you already have this offensive line. It's great. They keep investing in it. You know, Lael Collins, Connor Williams, left guard, they pay to keep Martin, et cetera. They bring back Jason Witten. But then last year, you see them go out there. They really make a conscious, conscious effort to help this receiving core. They draft a Michael Gallup. They trade for a first round pick for a Murray Cooper. Then all of a sudden, Dak Prescott is all throwing the ball much better. And then this year, you bring in Kellen Moore, who's helping him offensively. So it's a, it's a marriage of scheme and talent, of course. I think Rick Skangerlo's offense, I'm I really liking what I'm seeing from the design. Play calling sometimes hit or miss. The design itself, I'm really excited. But I think the Broncos' best chance to be competitive again is if Drew Lock is the guy. And outside the scope, whether you like Drew Locke or not coming into this, i don't think that that's this argument is beyond that it's about building around that quarterback when they're young and allowing them to grow so they can lean on the talent around them during those formative years and really let that that skill set skill set shine as they come come along in the league mentally and that is my my thought process the defense has taken a step back yes they're missing playmakers yes you do want to empower vic fangio but I think the best bet for this Broncos team to be a contender is to build around Drew Locke in the short term and not just build around him to be competitive, but build around him so that way he can grow, he can thrive, and he can develop into the quarterback they hope he can be.
2: Right. I mean, you got to build some confidence in a young quarterback. I know everybody talks that they should be strong-minded anyway and be able to shut a lot of that stuff out, but... You're asking a lot. I mean, even the most strong minded guys out there, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that teams did not invest in in things around them that I'm sitting there saying, I wonder what they could have been. If, like, the Texans, if they would have ever invested in David Carr. I mean, they had the worst offensive line in football, they didn't have any weapons for him. And then you sit there and tell them, all right, you're the first overall pick, go win us games. Yep. and uh, we already talked about it on here with uh with your boy Rosen. I mean, uh, they were showing plays where he was throwing perfect passes and his wide receivers were dropping it. There there's so many plays where he's not even to his seven step drop or his five foot step or five step drop and he's already being hit. And you're just going yeah, nobody could be successful. <laughs> it, it's just not possible. Yep. And uh so again, if you're already setting them up for failure, you might as well not have drafted them anyway. And you might as well just decide we're going to completely invest in the defense and not worry about a quarterback and trying to grow them and trying to, to see them become successful. And so right now it does seem like the Broncos are making a conscious decision that we are going to invest in having a young offensive team that they can grow and, and build and and do something with. And like I said, there's already five solidified pieces Five players that you can look at and say, these guys have already shown something in this league, or have shown even high caliber play in this league, like Philip Lindsay. And, you know, again, if you invest a little bit more around Locke or whatever quarterback you want to bring in, a young quarterback, I, I think that you can have a lot of success in this league. Now, like you said, doesn't mean that you ignore the defense. It just means that you've made a conscious decision of where you want this team to go. You can't just sit there and and play the fence and say, well, this year we're going to invest in the defense, next year we're going to invest in the offense, and and go back and forth and and try to build this team that you're going to sit there and say both are going to be these high-powered units that are are totally successful. I mean, you think about the Broncos, 2013, one of the best offenses, and if not the best offense the NFL has ever seen. Defense was terrible, (laughs) 2015 offense is terrible and the defense is, is lights out and they completely invested in that defense in 2014, but
3: they already had what? What did that 2015 defense have or a team? Well, they had Von Miller, of course. Well, yeah, but I'm not the defense, but the team in general, they had that quarterback, right? You know, even if paid man, was a shell of himself. They were able, I mean, that touchdown passed in the, in the AFC Championship game. He did. He saw that with Owen Daniels, got the thing he wanted, and made the play. And that's, you know, the rest is history. The Broncos then could control the game. And let's be honest, I mean, Albright was here. Nobody wants to hear this, but that 2015 team, the ball bounced right a lot of times, folks. You know, that's a miracle season. I wouldn't put it up through the Tebow one, but sometimes it's going to go your way. Sometimes it's not, this season particularly. So, I don't know. I think I think the best case for the Broncos going forward is to finish off this offensive rebuild, empower, empower Drew Locke, and let him become the best quarterback he can become. And doing that means continuing to invest in the offensive line and continuing to get some weapons for him. So that way there's some wiggle room during his developmental years. And by the time it's... by When the time comes around, if it all works out and you have to pay him that's when you can talk about him raising all ships. But for now, I think you have to empower that young quarterback by putting talent around him, and that's the quickest way to return to success. End rant. <laughs> all right, well, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl MHH and myself, at MHH. Make sure you head on over to MileHighHuddle.com, an affiliate of the Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast wherever you listen to your shows. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl, I'm Nick wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see you all soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to
1: Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com to keep the conversation going.